the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. I don't like it. I want to be up there in Group A. I don't care who we get. We should be up there competed against them. But, you know, as you said, we're going to win that group and then get promoted, hopefully. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 70 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is uh, Neve Briggs. You're still smiling, Neve. Always. Always. You had no, uh, no match to uh, upset you at the weekend. Anyway. Well, no, our seconds last out to Kerry in the Munster Divisional Cup final in, in Tralee on Sunday. Uh, cracking game, 26-24. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Tralee Rugby Club. The scenery I have many is times, incredible. Yeah, many times. Incredible. Yeah, so great. Brilliant for them as well. I was actually, you know, obviously devastated for our girls because they put a really good season in for a development point of view. But... Um, Teams like that, you know, they've got to try and find ways to get more senior players playing uh, rugby and uh, amalgamating, um, you know, a number of clubs within a region to make a county team. Uh, they've done it really, really well. So I was delighted for the hard work that they've done, to be fair, down there. So a uh, great match, yeah. Okay, it's been confirmed uh, just before we get on to the men's game that Greg McWilliams is gone. I'm sure you're sad to see him go. There's a bit of change there. And uncertainty. Um, the Irish women's team are now looking for a new head coach. What's your position? Or the, the I think on the statement that came out, the rest of the coaches are staying um, involved, staying part of the team. Yeah, and obviously I'm delighted because um, it's been a really, really tough campaign. And um, you know, it'll be weird coming back in here without Greg. I think because um, he's a huge personality and. Um and you know you're disappointed. I I was disappointed because we got on very well and we were uh, very aligned in our thinking. Um, he's really good to work with, but um, ultimately I think you know the difficulty is that in a high performance sport it's, it's a bit ruthless and uh, good learning for me from somebody that's come into this uh, for, uh, very recently. But um, it's uh it's results business uh, driven business and. We just didn't get the results, unfortunately. So, um, look, I wish him the best himself, his wife and his family. They're the nicest of people uh, you could ever meet. So, um, we just go back to the to the start again. What What does um, it mean for the team now in Tier 3 of this new world competition? Um, the fixture in yeah. October in New Zealand, is that right? No, I think we're looking at Hong Kong for, for Tier 3. Tier one will be in New Zealand, tier two in South Africa, I think. And then I think there's talks of Hong Kong. Look, it is what it is. It's it's a it's it's where we are. Um and you know, I think we go in and we play the likes of um, you know, the loser of the Spain Italy playoff, we play or the Scotland Italy playoff, sorry. Um we look at um you know the Netherlands um and a few more countries like that. So it's it's gonna be. I know Fiona Hayes has been floating Jamaica around. I don't think uh, I don't think it's Jamaica we're going to be playing, but um, it'll definitely be um, a starting block, and it's got to be that. And if we don't learn from the last six seven weeks, then you know we're at nothing really. So we've got to go with a clear plan in place and um, and a clear pathway. And to be fair to John and Ed and the lads, they've been working really hard over the last couple of weeks since the Six Nations finished. And what's the situation with qual- trying to qualify for the World Cup? Where so <clears throat> we need to get out of Tier Three next year. So if we win that, we go straight into Tier Two for the following year, and within that, the World Cup we qualify for the World okay. Cup straight okay. off. Okay. Um. So okay. if not, then we have to go through a repechage. Okay. 
it, that's a long way off. But anyway, it is long what it is, off. as you say. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be more positive stories coming out in, yeah. the, in the future with the team. Um, let's get on to the, the, the big game on Saturday night. Munster, um, not surprisingly, won the game because I think a lot of pundits, um, spectators, fans, um, rugby people knew that Munster had a great chance and there was a real possibility they could go there and beat Glasgow. Um, obviously, that was going to be a very difficult task, but... They won the game 14-5. Um, so uh they're in the semi-final. It's it was a from a results point of view, it was great to go there and win. It's a very tough place to go. They haven't lost there and haven't lost there all season and they've scored a lot of points um in their performance there for Munster to keep in the five points was a a big a big positive as well. So um I put a tweet out yesterday uh, again to the Munster fans. We always want to try and keep them involved. And they're all pretty pleased. I think um, it was a dogged performance. They had to really kind of roll up their sleeves. We'll talk a little bit about the injuries in, in a little while. Well, I'm it, came, sure it so. came at cost. Like, let's be very realistic. When we got the injury report out yesterday, that result came at a cost. And um, and how we managed to use that as our as a positive is going to be really big for this group this week. But you know, you asked about the the performance and can they find. Another one this week against Leinster, given the injuries. Um, Richard Daly said hard fought and the number of HIAs has to be called or looked into more in the off-season by the governing folks, surely. Saturday is a big ask, but it's nothing we've not faced before. Lads need to have a right go and um, put their hands up. John Tuig, I'm not hung up on next week. This week's injury toll will make a result very hard to come by. Leinster will rotate, but their second string are more experienced than ours. We must understand we are years behind Leinster in our development. Bring on next year when it's a long pre-season. Um, Liam Sheehan, really strong performance, particularly in defence. <clears throat> Big ask this week, but after the start we got this season, a really credible outcome. With last Saturday's injuries, it'll be a big ask, but a great opportunity for the second line players to step up. Um, Paula Carter a huge shift but in Glasgow immensely proud of the boys we're in bonus surgery now so more of the same Saturday please um, Tom Lundgren massive performance in Glasgow the momentum of this group just keeps growing a free shot for Munster in the semis and it was well earned and deserved some injuries to big players yes but that's rugby Munster in the mood in this mood in knockout rugby are dangerous to any opposition um, there was a couple of more tweets. I'm just going to group, group them because I know we're kind of caught for time. But there was a couple of more tweets in relation to the HIAs, which we'll obviously chat about. My favourite tweet came from Granny Babs. Get your mam and Marie O.C., whoever Marie O.C. is, tagged up and onto that Mar- pitch. Mar- Marie O'Callaghan. Oh, Marie, sorry. Um, if they can't put the fear of God into Leinster, no one can, armed with the holy water, obviously. So uh, I don't know if you... I know you were working for... And TV for Premier, but um, Bernard Jackman was on RTE and he spoke about having met the Munster coaching ticket before the game started, and he really wasn't surprised that they had won because your mom had dropped in the holy water. Um, I've only heard about this over the last few weeks with the tweets coming in. This is obviously something that's, that's been going on that, for years, has it? It's gone on. It's gone on for probably twenty years, I'd say, uh, or more, since I was playing. Um, she was a regular uh, carrier of the holy water to the matches and uh, she would always give, back then, she would always give the water or the holy water to um, Pat Garrity. Um, oh, Pat has obviously since passed yeah. and he was a great friend of everyone in the teams and, and all the experience as well. So 
Yeah, the holy water seems to seems to have done the trick on Saturday night. Anyway, but anyway, as I said, it was going on for about twenty years with my my mum. But um, she'll need lots of holy water. I think they said it on uh, on the TV. Bernard said it in Newcastle that um, she might be led into the Aviva on Saturday. But anyhow, um, and did she just give need... it to the coaches, like to bring it to the dressing room, like to the players? Yeah, wherever she, in, wherever they understand. She... Whoever she meets, if she meets someone from the, the staff, or she's usually down around the the side of the pitch. If she's if she walks down from the stand and hands it into someone, um, Fiona Murphy sometimes takes it. George Murray, <laughs> so whoever. But um, anyway, the holy water is there for a long time, and uh, brilliant. I think it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I don't know how I I haven't heard about it since the the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, it um, happened all the time when 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 I was playing. But anyway, there's a lot. There's a few here, more tweets you want to read out. Yeah, there's a, a, a few more. Just in relation to um, a couple of the players, the likes of Jean Klein. Uh, so divided looks at Jean, uh, Jean Klein, Hodnett, Coombs. Do, you know, are they going to? Are we looking at getting them into? Would we be annoyed if they weren't in Carton House, basically, for the World Cup prep? Those three, yeah. Well, especially. I think. Um... So Gavin Coombs, John Klein, and who? What was the other player? And John Hodnett. Yeah, I think both John Hodnett obviously came on for Peter O'Mahony, and um, he was he was brilliant. Um, his tackle, he his tackling was was outstanding. He's um, you know he's worked great. Munster didn't have a lot of ball in the second half for sure, uh, but I thought he was brilliant. John Klein again, and he's done it all season. I think he's he's um, he's been playing brilliant for Munster this year and. Even in games that they've been under pressure, um, the Gavin Coombs, I think, um, obviously he's had a lot of uh, big performances this year. He's won Star of the Week a few times with us. He's got plenty of Man of the Match awards, but I think there's an argument to say that they should be in the mix and they probably will be in the mix. I just love, for, for John Klein, I think his honesty and work rate and, and, yeah. and dedication, I think, I think it, it'd be lovely to see time. him get back in. Yeah, I agree. I think for a long time there was question marks in relation to his ability to play. You know, he was a great, like he's a great workhorse, brilliant rucker, one of those real like old dogged second rows that every team needs. But the game is evolving, and I think he was there was question marks in relation to his handling and his ability to catch and pass and and to be that kind of, you know, be able to go to the line and to be able to move those tip ons or or little balls. All, all, I think all that he stuff has, is. Has improved this so, year. So improved. As in, like, for me, he's jumped Ross Maloney this year in terms of that. I think we've not seen enough of Ross Maloney from a Leinster point of view. So I, I, I would agree. I think I'd be, I would be but frustrated for John Klein if. I think if he he's, didn't. he's very, he's very, very much appreciated by the Munster fans. Um, yeah. One of the areas that Glasgow had a big, big, their big strength going into this game was their mall. And you just look back at the incredible. game and you see see the yeah. strength of him at stopping their mall and his physicality. So he's, I think he's like he's his game has gone to a new level. Of, yeah, he's probably been my player of the season in terms of consistency and um, his engine and everything. I, I have one out there uh, tweet from from Gavin Murphy. Uh, he asks, "Can you can we discuss Simon Zebo? Uh, resign resigned from Racing, partly funded by the RFU. Can't make a monstrous." squad with a short shortage of fit back three players this weekend. His name isn't even in the mix. What's going on? Is he contracted next year? Uh, well, I think he is contracted next year. Um, he's had a number of injuries this year. It's been it's been disappointing because um, we've only seen glimpses of of Simon. Um, he's that X Factor player. He just brings that bit of magic. But um, he can't 
blame the bike guy from be for being injured because obviously if you pick up injuries, but from a business point of view, um, we haven't we haven't seen enough of Simon Zebo. It'll be brilliant if he was available. I I I really thought it was brilliant when he came back because I thought, yeah, he yeah. can get back into the Irish mix as well. But he hasn't consistently been in the Munster mix for various different reasons. And um it's a pity. Um season probably can't come quick enough the end of it for for someone like him to get a good pre-season in and and try and um, add some value to the squad next year but um, there's nothing that I know about or anybody publicly knows about I think he's he's just been unlucky with some injuries um, and he's a great player I, I did hear that there's a chance he may be available this weekend um, from a fitness point of view I don't know where he's at but um it's it's a pity because um, it's a big ask, isn't it? Then to come in like from Cole, like at least I know there's another query in relation to Joey about potentially coming back in or whatever this weekend. But Joey's been in the match day traveling squad for the last number of weeks. I know he hasn't played, but you know Simon's been at home in Limerick for for the South African trip, for example. So. You're missing that big bulk of work. So it, it will be interesting to see. And it also kind of starts to... That was a big thing for me last weekend in terms of the strength and depth. You know, we went with a 6-2 split. That's fine. That's, that's your prerogative. But in my mind, I was like, the two boys, Calvin Nash and Shane Daly, have been playing unbelievably well. Obviously, Keith Earls have picked up that bad injury in, in South Africa. And then Zeebo's doesn't we, we don't speak about him. He's not in any injury uh, updates. He hasn't been for a long time. So is he back training and just finding it hard to get back to that match fitness. But the next group down is, there's a big gap, isn't there, in terms of the likes of, say, Patrick Campbell and um, and these young guys. You know, it's a big ask for any of them to come into that mix for next Saturday. It is, yeah, it is. And look, who knows um, who they will select, whether Joey will come back in. He could be an option to put him in at full back, put Mike Haley on the wing. Um, but the injury toll is massive. Liam Coombs is out, Andrew Conway... Um, they've just no cover in that backfield. So Calvin Nash being injured is actually a big loss. Malachi Fekitoa, yeah. particularly in the backs. Um, I think they're better equipped up front. Um, albeit if you're missing Peter O'Mahony, John Klein, um, they're incredible losses because um, yeah. there's a feeling that if Munster had a full team. But look, we'll get on to the Leinster match in a minute. Let's talk about the performance. Uh, positives and negatives. Start, we start on the positives. So for you, the positives, um, I think the biggest one, sorry, the biggest one for me is defensively and from a collisions point of view and an attitude um, that was top notch. They were really up for this game. They got the emotion right. They weren't going to be bullied. Um, I think I saw one of the tweets where someone was questioning and you, you mentioned it about the HIAs where Glasgow overzealous were doing something illegal. They weren't. They were very physical themselves. Um, it was a physical game. There was nothing um, that could have been, you know, that you would indicate that they were targeting monster players from a high tackle point of view. I know Tom Jordan was sent off for the for the Conor Murray one, and rightly so. But the others, I think, were just freakish uh, collisions, unfortunately, and we don't often see them. So the positives for me, obviously, we can't go through every positive in the game, but the ones that really jump out and the stats here are kind of crazy. Um, Munster down for 36 missed tackles. But then I'm saying, and everybody's saying, one of the big positives was their defence. The reason I think that numbers are down and high from the missed tackle point of view is 
the evasion of a lot of Glasgow players in close quarters and turning back inside um, monster players, maybe missing yeah, I, a tack- an initial tackle and then making the second one a real impact one. So, um, well, as for, I, often, for me, as I always was... say... As Sorry, I always say, the, st- st- the stats do lie. Stats sometimes lie. Yeah. But Munster defence yeah. was outstanding. Uh, yeah, and I think when you're looking at that banana where you're getting that outside player to shoot, you're forcing them back in. You're forcing them there because they're not going to... It's very difficult when you're coming at pace to make that bridge pass over that outside rushing defender. And Bechtel was great at it. Um, Shane Daly was very good at it. Calvin Nash you know, that ability to get off the line as that outside defender and put a huge amount of pressure. So you're forcing the Glasgow player back in. So while it's stepped across you or gone back in, it looks like a missed tackle from you. Gary Ringrose is exceptionally good at doing it as well for Ireland for Leinster. His ability to read the place, get ahead of it, not not isolate himself, but it, it puts that little second of doubt in your mind and you step back in and that's where the tackle has been made. Munster were really, really smart in relation to that because that was the big fear in Glasgow's um, back three play their ability to, to transition very quickly they obviously scored a huge amount of tries leading into this game and um, I thought so so smart but like that missed tackle was counted because they'd forced them back in as opposed to actual missed tackles from a square up point of view uh, the mall defence was the other one and again you can say that's defensively how do, how do they stop that Glasgow mall or what was different from a couple of weeks ago yeah, look, you're probably asking the wrong person in terms of technical stuff around the mall. I think what they've done really well is they chose their moments to get up. I thought that was really, really important. And then the minute that they didn't, that they were able to smash that, they smashed the back of that mall. And, OK, I know they were penalised once, I think, for um, jumping across uh, Fenin, I think it was. But um, I thought in terms of understanding how to smash and turn it in so they, they use the touchline to their advantage quite a bit. That just takes away a lot of that attack threat then. Um, so, but it was mindset. They were ready to go. I thought they were excellent. Yeah, well, one of the, th- um, when I did the positives and negatives a few weeks ago, Monster Glasgow, it's five weeks, it's on the 25th of March, was it 25th or 26th of March when, when Glasgow beat Monster in Thomond Park. I had the positives down as second half. That was it. <laughs> And the reaction, I had the negatives down as scrum, line out, physicality, attitude, energy, uh, where it puts them in the table. All those things changed. So, you know, we did speak about it then. They even talk, spoke about, you know, it, it was it was unlike that that monster team. Um, I know we saw some stuff the week before, um, the couple of weeks before against the Scarlets, where defensively in that second half they. They kind of got a little bit lackadaisical, a bit, a little bit sloppy defensively. But all those things that I mentioned there, the negatives a number of weeks ago were changed because the scrum was so much better. One or two penalties there, I noticed pressure, but by and large, that scrum held up uh, really well. And Stephen Archer again, um, Jeremy Lockman, um, the players that came on, um, that was so much better. Their lineup worked themselves. Winning their own lineup was really good. Um, and and Graham Rountree said it after the game. Anyone watching this, the physicality and the collisions here, a lot of that is down to attitude and 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 real desire to get stuck into Glasgow. So, loads of positives. My my big positive was the ten minute block right before half time. They kept Glasgow out. 
I think that was if I'm if I'm right. And there was another big moment where they no, were defending. I think the start the start of the game was the key. That start, fi- was fi- the, was fi- it, were they on yeah, their start? Yeah, fifteen start, minutes. Start the fifteen minutes in the first and half. And in the second where... half, they were literally on their line, and their 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 discipline was really really good. Their ability to get back onto their feet was exceptional. So we talk about being back in game all the time. And um and I just thought that their cohesion and around that nobody panicked. They could they they were ex they were turning over and exiting, get a line up back on their twenty two again. And it was like a regurgitation and I was sitting at home going, Oh my gosh, like this is gonna be like how are they gonna keep them out for this long? But I thought uh, yeah, I thought that was really, really huge positive. I think if you look at the game, the first 15 minutes, Glasgow brought so much pressure. Munster were kind of hanging on. And I was thinking they can't keep doing this, but they turned it around. Malachi Fekito makes a tackle in midfield just before the first try. Turnover, massive impact tackle. Munster turn it over. They go up the field, score 7-0 after absorbing a lot of pressure. Big psychological boost. A couple of minutes later, they turn it over again at the breakdown around midfield. Conor Murray's breaking up the touchline. Tom Jordan makes a tackle. Red card. Unfortunately, Conor Murray had to go off. Munster score from kicking that into the corner again, and it's 14 0. And you think psychologically, um, it's massive for Munster and it's a big blow to Glasgow. I think if we're looking at where they could be better and where they need to be better with what's ahead, is that period before half time when Munster were camped on the Glasgow line and they're attacking and attacking and attacking. They could have killed off the game there and they didn't. Um, and probably lacking a bit of control in that second half. They didn't have a lot of ball. Uh, tactically, I thought, and maybe I'm wrong, um, I thought they should have kicked a little bit more. Now, they didn't have a lot of ball, but there was a win there and Glasgow really struggled to get out of their half. And to be fair, you have games like that where Munster look like, they actually look like um, just really in, in control. Uh, not a lot of panic. I think for the Glasgow try, Tyburn does shoot out of the line. He admits that straight away after the game. But they never really looked like losing this game. Um, I, oh, think I, was, I was demented from them being in the power zone or the scoring zone for so long and, and not being clinical enough. I it was It was like... That is definitely something that they have to improve on. They get, they worked so hard to get into that zone, and you've got a, a period of minutes where you're putting the defense under pressure. And the, at one stage, I could see um, Ben Healy in the second half doing this, and he was like literally like stamping his foot, trying to get the ball, like as in they must have had a 4v1 at one stage. And um, and uh, and it doesn't come out quick enough and then they've turned the ball over. I think if you're Graham Roundtree or Mike Prendergast, that is, the, that's actually infuriating from the point of view of like, this. What like we just had a little bit of white line fever and it just got to be a little bit more clinical because this weekend, look, let's face it, they could 100% go and, and match them up physically and everything, but if they get chances and when they get chances... Um, they have to be able to take them, so they have to be. There has to be more clarity around what they're trying to do in that zone, especially five or six meters out from the line. I yeah, was- there was chances there when they were picking and going. That it just two passes, three passes, and one of the backs would have scored. So as you said, Ben Healy's looking for it. There's, there's a number of times, and at the end of the game, um, they had a penalty. They tapped and went after after the uh, two Pelota was yellow carded. Um, it was 
you know, 15 against 13 there. I, I was surprised. I thought to just kick the ball over the bar and see out the game. But it didn't matter at that stage. Glasgow weren't going to beat them. So it was um it was a brilliant, brilliant win. And uh I think the so many positives outweigh any sort of negatives that was that you would super find anywhere. That was uh, that was old Munster of old, wasn't it? No offense, but like I know we don't want to talk about history all the time, but that was like gritty. It was resilient. It was just like it was body on the line type of stuff. And look, we, you know, the injury toll t- tells us that. But that you can work with that, Quinny. That's what gives me a huge amount of hope for this group going forward. Yeah, and, and from a coach point of view, I'd imagine the same. And where where they're at, I think um, what they've shown in the last three or four weeks, Neve, has been brilliant. To go yeah. to South Africa, and they've beaten. Stormers away, drawn with the Sharks, and then beating Glasgow away. Teams, you know, the Stormers hadn't lost. And now Leo Cullen was saying that yesterday in the press. So he's thrown back, trying to trying to give give Munster a bit of credit. But given all the injuries they had in the game, um, so difficult to cope. Peter O'Mahony to start, then you see RG Snyman going off, Connor Murray, Dermot Byrne, John Klein, or um, Calvin Nash and Fekito as well. You're just thinking, God, this is freakish. It's a freak uh, situation for it to happen. Um, Had that happened said, last year, though, Munster wouldn't have won that game. So, so, and you know what, me? Somebody said to me, somebody said to me um, and asked me, like, is this a real concern that you had? You had um, R.G. Snyman, Connor Murray, Calvin Nash and Malachi Fekito, four HIAs in a game. It's a, it's certainly something that we're not used to seeing. But the good news is, rather than being negative about that, is probably 10, 15 years ago, that was a common thing and none of those four players would have come off the field. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's better now that they're being protected that way, that if there's any doubt, they first of all, they go off for the HIA and then... Um, they're checked over, and that that period, honestly, honestly, a lot of before it would have been, you know, yeah, bit, a, bit of water and like and dust yourself down. So I think we would have seen a lot more of that before, if ten, fifteen years ago, that that um, if the HIAs yeah. were stringent and and it was so. Where rugby get a lot of criticism about, and and rugby gets a, a negative kind of slant, and there's a bit bit of um, fear and worry about it, which some of it is very much understandable. But that wouldn't have happened before. Those four players probably would have been had to dust themselves off and, and would have tried to carry on. So in one way, it's a shame. But in another way, it shows that um, these players are being monitored as best they possibly can. Uh, brilliant win. Deserve huge credit. And by and large, you know, you can look at... Um, Nobody's done that to Glasgow there in a long, long time. And that's once really fronted up. So they deserve huge credit for that. Um, the obvious thing is they need to be better with their attack this week and take their opportunities. And um, there's a lot of bonus territory. Uh, people are talking about that. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Start of the week. Um, well, it was such a dogged-like performance. Uh, I, I'm kind of leaning towards John Klein. Um, yeah, Gavin Coombs got player, player of the match. But I do really think there's two other players I want to mention here. And Malachi Fekitoa. Uh, was outstanding, and in some ways, it was wasn't me who picked player of the match. It was Chris Patterson. Um, I'm not blaming him. I thought Gavin Coombs was was brilliant as well. He really fronted up, had some big turnovers, um, and he's 
performances have been very consistent. And I think his work without the ball was really impressive for me. And that was a big part. But uh, John Klein constantly uh, making tackles, carries, breaking up malls, been really, really physical. Um, He was outstanding again. But Malachi Fekato, that early tackle, he scored the try. Um, I think he's a hell of a player. And he's... Yeah, it's pity um, we've only started... Yeah, we have we've seen in the second half of the season, and I think um, uh, it it took him time to settle and and get into the way once we were playing and all that kind of stuff. But um, he had a brilliant performance. Finney and Witchley coming on for RG Snyman again, like he did in, in the Stormers. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. I think he's he's come tackling. back in incredible shape from injury. Yeah, he is, and he was uh, he was he was ripping into Glasgow players the other night. So. Um, they're kind of the, the three players that stood out for me, including four. Gavin Coombs obviously had a big game, but I'm going to go John Klein. Um, are you happy to give him the star of the week? It's a big honour. Yeah, it is. So he's delighted. Okay. Um, a lot of the headlines yesterday and Sunday were uh, Mission Impossible. The word That word was, was mentioned. So I'm just going to read out the kind of recent results, the doom and gloom for anyone that doesn't know it. Uh, in the last 12 games between Munster, Leinster and Munster, Munster-Leinster, um, Leinster have won 10, Munster have won 2. So you go back to in the league, the last time Munster beat Leinster was in 2018-19 season. It was December 2018 at Thomond Park, 26-17. Um, and obviously we had the Rainbow Cup there uh, that Leinster, Munster went to the RDS and won 27-3. So one league win and one Rainbow Cup win in those 12 games. Um, we've lost the league semi-final, uh, semifinal in, in 2019, uh, league semi-final in 2020, league final in 2021. Uh, and that game in 2021, 16-6 in the RDS, I don't know if you remember, it was kind of... I do, yeah. It was during that COVID period again. Um, I was working I for that. There was no crowd. Well, we did we did no, that I, game together, didn't yeah. we? I, no, I was working for Live 95, I think, for that game. If I remember yeah, correctly. And, that, and that, that game was the most consecutive wins in the history of that fixture, six in a row for yeah. Leinster. Uh, the next one then, obviously, the Rainbow Cup. But I think... One of the games that jumps out for me, um, the run that really jumps out is that Aviva game last last um, the end of May last year. Uh, the season ran a bit later. Um, Munster, more or less, fairly strong team out, pretty strong as they could be. Um, Leinster played a lot of um, their second string players. They won 35-25. That was, that was a tough one to take. It was kind of the end of the, the season for... It was the second last game for Johan van Graan, wasn't it? They lost the last yeah. game in Ulster. But we've lost twice this season to them, 27-13 back in October and 2019, the game down at Thoman Park at Christmas. So, sorry for reading out all that doom and gloom. Yeah, <laughs> look, let's... let's it, um... it, just show, it just shows where they're at. And obviously yeah, the look, history we're, we're, of... Quinny, we know where they're at. Like, let's... Like, we know exactly where they're at. They're evolution and their development is ahead of Munster's and that, that's kind of a pretty factual so what we've got to start thinking about now is where we can find weaknesses within that Leinster group where you know do we have opportunities to score and we absolutely will I think I think 
the, what probably worries me a little bit is that um, Leinster are probably going to, you know, bring more of their first team back this week than they did last week, so that they have a minutes under their belt for that European um, match the following week, if I'm correct, and then. Um, or is that two weeks? But you know what I mean? Irrelevant to that in terms of they'll definitely give them minutes if they didn't give them minutes last week. Um, so Munster then are obviously going to be missing big leaders within the likes of Peter O'Mahony. Hopefully he'll be okay, but like as in, we still don't know, but Conor Murray's gone, Fekatoa's gone, Calvin Nash, uh, Orgy. Um, and our point of difference has to be something now that you know we can be really, really good at. You're the backs expert. So who plays at twelve and who plays on? I think the Ben right Healy wing. will start maybe, and um, and you put Jack Crowley to twelve. Um, I think that that's probably going to what happens and allows you to bring Joey onto the bench. Um, the the back three, I don't know, is the answer in terms of do we just allow Pat Campbell give him an opportunity to have that you know that experience of big game and Naviva. Um, do we move, as you say, Shane Daly over and put Simon Zebo on the left? I would probably aim towards the Pat Campbell one as opposed to the Zebo one. I think Shane Daly's uh, done really well there in the left. But I just think that the more exposure we can give to these younger guys, the better. Okay, just I want to ask you. Um, so it's obviously it's it's very obvious you're going to the best team in Europe, the best squad in Europe uh, that we think they have. Um, they've so much depth. Um, they made nine changes from Europe to to the game last week with the Sharks. Um, they're going to make a number of changes again. They've got a final next week against La Rochelle. They've potentially got a final the week after. Then in 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 so I, I'm sure Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, and the rest of the coaches and Leinster would have sat down a couple of weeks ago and mapped out the type of teams they've got to play in the build-up to the final. Obviously, they go as strong as they possibly can against La Rochelle in the final, but they probably have to manoeuvre a little bit through this. So, um, he said there's going to be rotation, but, you know, if... if It's rotating back to firsts. He has to give them minutes. Com- to give completely, them yeah, but there was there was still yeah. a lot of them started. There was still a lot of them started last week. Um, yeah. Tyke Furlong, Hugo Keenan, Caelan Doris... Um, so obviously they're they're going to make a number of changes and be strong. Either way, they're going to be very very strong. Um, Mission Impossible is the word I used uh, that I've seen a lot. Bonus territory. So is this bonus territory? Is that a kind of a defeatist attitude? Just looking no ahead to the game. No way. It's look at the seven games and start of the season. Did we ever think we were going to be in the position we were begging to try and get into playoff position at the start? You know what I mean? In January, February, we were on. You know kind of questioning whether we'd even get into Europe and now we're in a semi-final very, very of the URC. Point, yeah. So incredible season for Munster from where they started in this coaching group and some a tweeter said it and I completely get it um, we we are totally literally you know have this ability now to be able to put our own stamp they, they do in their own stamp on that pre-season and, and have an elongated ones that they hit the ground running for the start of the next the next season but uh, I think it's it's definitely bonus territory and and I would definitely think on their day they could totally pull it out of the bag yeah I think I often think you of, don't um, <laughs> no no I, oh, no I do of course I think they can do it uh, they can I'd just love to see them um, bring a performance that 
you can kind of be proud of and they can be proud of themselves that they yeah. go, well, we were sloppy here. We give away too many penalties and we needed more aggression and all that kind of stuff. But look, I think they've shown a great honesty and desire in the re- last couple of weeks. So they've been brilliant. Um, it's a tough task and unlikely win, we'll say, but we're hopeful. So anyway, we look forward to analysing it next week. Thanks, Thankfully, this week wasn't our last one. But um, So that's it for episode 70 of the Red 78. And uh, good luck. Enjoy your week, Neve, And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Greg. Thank you.